one day I decided to ask myself, could I break five minutes in the mile? At age 30, could I return to the sport of track and go after my unmet goal of breaking five minutes? Was my body capable of this? Was my mind capable of this? And most importantly, was my spirit capable of pushing through the ups and downs to find the answer? You are listening to Breaking Five, a running podcast, where we search for this answer as well as yours for achieving your Breaking Five moment, whatever that may be for you. We will gain inspiration and knowledge from others who have achieved their Breaking Five moment, those working towards theirs, as well as those who have helped the athletes along the way. I'm your host, Kristen Schultz, physical therapist, runner, and running coach. Let's run full force towards our wildest dreams and take a listen to today's episode. I am so excited for this episode, guys. In this episode, I interview my current running coach, Julie Benson, and oh my goodness, there are so many good one-liners. There's so many good, so much good information in general, but I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into my favorite quote, and even she, she admitted to because she said it a couple times, but the number one takeaway from this episode, and you got to listen to hear it all, is you can do it all. Man, this episode was amazing. Like I said, Julie is my current running coach. Um, I shared in the episode, but she is a, a running coach. She has she has coached at the collegiate level. She has coached elite runners. She was an elite runner herself and a former Olympian. And so she is just a wealth of knowledge on all things running, all things coaching, all things mindset. Guys, I think the common theme that's coming back to a lot of these episodes is just how important mindset is in so many aspects of life. So you guys have to listen to this whole thing. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear from it. And I will, we'll see you in the inside. Let's go guys. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. Super excited today. So I have my running coach here today. Um, and we are going to get to chat and honestly, we've never even got to chat in, in this manner. So I'm super excited to ask her some questions because I'm probably going to learn a lot about her. Um, but so Julie Benson is my coach. Julie Benson is with Ju- Julie Benson Training. Um, she is also a former Olympian, a former collegiate coach, um, coaches a lot of top level runners. So very accomplished in her running career and run coaching career. And I'm super thankful she was willing to come on today and, you know, answer some questions for us. So Julie, thank you for being here. Hi, Kristen. I feel really lucky. And yeah, I agree. This will be such a fun setting to, to chat a little bit about the thing we're both passionate about, which is coaching and, and running. And I'll hopefully get to know you a little bit better as well. And I'm, like I said, I'm just very pleased to be here. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, if you don't mind sharing with our listeners, could you start by just sharing how you got into running originally? Like, when did it start for you? Um, Oh, geez, that's (laughs) funny. Um, So, you know, probably unlike a lot of people listening, I'm guessing, um, I came into running from the sprint side of things. So, um, yeah, so I was um, a military brat and moved around a little bit growing up. And I was just really lucky that most of the places that we lived, um, there was some kind of organized track for, you know, late elementary and middle school for me. And 
you know, it really started by, you know, racing all the boys and being able to beat <laughs> all of them. And, yes. um, and, you know, back then they had the presidential physical fitness and I would win that. And um, so I liked a lot of sports, but I just, I didn't get the same like exhilaration um, from those that I got from running and racing people. And so kind of, you know, developed through high school going in thinking I was going to be the sprinter. And I think looking back, very fortunately, I was in um, a high school system right outside of Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia that was really dominant. I mean, I look back and our performances were incredible and there was so much depth, particularly in the sprints. And so I really didn't have a choice but to gradually slowly move up in distance because I wanted to win. Yeah. And when I ran the 100 and the 200, you know, I would, I ran really fast, um, looking back, you know, for that time and, and looking back for a distance runner, especially, um, but I was finishing, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, and, you know, I wanted to do better than that. And so my coaches, you know, very intelligently moved me up and that trend continued, um, all the way through mid college where I kind of landed in the 1500 meters and, and pretty much stayed there. Um, all the way throughout my professional career, which um, was probably until I was about 30. So I ran professionally for about um, eight or nine years after college. Awesome. Okay, that makes sense, I guess, in the sense of, you know, why 1500 was your specialty. Like you came actually from like a sprinting background, which would help with that. So it did. (laughs) Yeah. And now it took me a long time to develop the aerobic capacity I needed. (laughs) Um, And I kind of went kicking and screaming. Um, But I, I really have a great appreciation um, for the time it takes to develop that. And it, it's a big foundation in my coaching. And um, I, I, I just feel like it went, I was just very lucky about the path, my particular path that I was able to take. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, and you, so you went on to ran in college, obviously you ran professionally. When did, is, was there a certain time when you kind of realized that you had a decent amount of talent and that you were going to keep on, you know, running for a while? Or when did that occur for you? At what stage? Well, it's really funny. You know, nowadays, um, you know, it's, it's pretty, not always, but it's kind of almost like cut and dry. Like, you, you know, yeah, um, in college, <laughs> if you've got what it takes to, um, you know, go on professionally again not always but in general um for me it was really I just feel like most decisions most big decisions I made in my running I was very naive you know from where I went to college to what college programs had good running programs to running after college and I literally I was I was a decent college runner um by the skin of my teeth the last race my senior year Um, I became an All-American, but in that race, I was almost dead last. Um, But I I had taken a lot of improvement and was kind of starting to put everything together like, oh, tempo runs matter and, you know, long runs matter and sort of kind of learning that, you know, what it was going to take for me to keep improving. And I was just in love with, you know, getting better. And so I literally wrote a handwritten letter to ASICs because that's who I ran for in college. And, you know, literally dear ASICs, my name is, you know, I'd like to keep running. And I got a phone call from at that time, the head of marketing at at ASICs North America. And, you know, they offered me a small amount of money and, and, you know, a bunch of free shoes, which was super cool to to keep running. And, you know, that's kind of how I fell into it. 
And from the time I graduated from college over the next four years is when I had some pretty significant breakthroughs as an athlete. Okay. So it was after that, like it was into your senior year, becoming all American. And then after those next four years, just kind of figuring out what your body was capable of. Exactly. Yep. So it was never like this light bulb moment that, oh, I can run with the best in the world. I really did just fall into it and kind of put my head down and just keep really, really pushing the envelope and kind of got there. But, you know, I think, I think that really does shape my coaching um, because I really enjoy coaching like the uber talented athletes, but I really get a lot more satisfaction out of helping those that are, you know, that were good in college, but, you know, really want to just keep going and seeing how good they can get. And that, that really rings true all the way from the elite athletes to the first timers. I just really love helping people get where they want to go. Yeah. Like figuring out what you're capable of kind of. Exactly. No, I love that. What, um, so, so you ran professionally for like eight years then or? Yeah, about, yeah, approximately eight or nine. Awesome. And how, how was that experience for you? Like what was, what, what what is it, what is it really like, I guess, to run professionally? (laughs) Um, good and bad. it, It was surreal. You know, um, I don't really think I appreciated it in the moment, um, you know, because I really was just so singularly focused. Um, you know, there, there was really nothing else going on. You know, I was living workout to workout and, and really just consumed with seeing how good I can be. And, you know, looking back, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of people that are willing to do that. And I didn't know that at the time. I felt like every single person was doing exactly what I was doing. But as I get more and more removed, I realized that that might have been the talent that I had was my ability to just block everything else and just focus on this one thing. And, you know, and, and I did miss out on a ton of things, a ton of family things. I, I didn't really have any vacations when I did go visit family and my days were still revolved around when my next workout was going to be. And um, so that part isn't really super glamorous, but on the flip side, you know, the few races where it all comes together and you do get that, you know, magical moment of really, you know, having everything pay off at the right time. There, yeah. There's nothing like that. Um, literally nothing like that thrill. Um, and I, I feel really fortunate and really proud that that happened a few times for me. Um, and then, you know, the other part, I, I was able to travel all over the world. Yeah. Um, some of my best friends in the world I met through the sport um, you know, I have a godchild through the sport, just, you know, just some incredible things like that. So it was, you know, like I said, surreal that that actually happened and I was able to do that. But, you know, it, it's not necessarily very glamorous. And aside from a few, you know, mega superstars, you, you don't do this to get rich. Um, you know, it wasn't, you know, this huge financial windfall. Um, I, I feel lucky that I made money in the sport. That's just really cool. Yeah. Um, from somebody who was racing people in PE class, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it was really, really such a neat experience and I feel so lucky. No, that's awesome. And there's a lot of good things you said there. I mean, one, like, yeah, it's not necessarily super glam glamorous, but I don't, I mean, I don't think anything is in the sense of like, there's always sacrifice, right? There's never that balance really. Like you were even saying, it wasn't like, 
you know, your, your life revolved around running in some ways and you're at family events and, you know, that was still a thing, but I think that's always the case for, right, for, right. for anything you really want to accomplish in life. And, um, but then also the second point would be like, you know, I think we always like in anything in life, don't fully appreciate where we're at or, you know, really, it sounds like you did, but I'm just saying in general, like, oh, how lucky you are to do something and then it's, and then it's gone. And then I don't oh, know. Oh yeah. In the moment, I certainly didn't appreciate it. It's, it's definitely all hindsight. And I do tell, try to tell the professional runners that I work with to, to enjoy those moments when they happen, because, yeah. you know, when you have the different perspective, you do realize it just doesn't happen every weekend, you know? And so, right. um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's cool how much you've traveled too. I feel like every time, cause I travel a lot as you have learned, I think from working with me <laughs> yeah. for a year, I was like, Oh, Julie, I'm here now. Um, but you're always like, Oh, I've been there. Like every time I go somewhere, you're like, Oh yeah, I've been there. Like even when I went overseas and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> like <laughs> you got to travel a lot. So <laughs> yeah, I did that. That part was really, you, you can't replace that. That was just so neat. Now, you know, I, I, your listeners probably, you know, think of all these postcard moments. It really was hotel lobbies and big, cool European towns and, and Asian cities, but still I was there. <laughs> yeah. You're still, still there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, awesome. The only sightseeing you really did was on, you know, runs, um, when you're training in between yeah. races, um, which was really, really cool. Um, yeah. but it's not like you're taking in all the, you know, the sightseeing, you know, places at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you're on a vacation. I mean, kind of, no. but really it's not like, Oh yeah, exactly. Eat all the gelato and yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, definitely not. <laughs> I love that. What, um, so you mentioned that you had like a couple breakthrough races. Um, would you mind telling us about a couple of them or what, which ones they were and what, what that felt like? What was the difference between the breakthrough races and the just average races, I guess? <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny, you know, looking back, and I keep saying that, um, but my perspective really is um, in, in a new place, just appreciating, you know, the, the things I did navigate well. Um, you know, I, I think the one that probably stands out the most is, you know, in, in the four years after college, I did kind of have a light bulb moment that um, I was really holding myself back mentally. Um, I, I wasn't a very confident athlete and, you know, a lot of times I would go to races and before the starting gun even sounded, you know, it would, I was already in big trouble because I had spent so much time and energy worried about things I couldn't control, worried about my competitors, how they looked versus how I looked, how were they warming up versus how I was warming up. And uh, it took me so long to realize that. Um, and I was very lucky that, you know, I decided to spread out getting a master's degree over, you know, three years in a program that probably could have been finished in a year and a half, but okay. I wanted to kind of, you know, keep my workload light while I was training. And, um, in the program that I was in, um, there was a sports psychologist and I decided to do my independent study that I needed to fulfill my master's with him. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, you know, would sit in his office and really just kind of twiddle my thumbs and try to check the box that, yeah, I did this. And I wasn't really an active participant in anything he was really talking about until, you know, finally he was kind of like, look, are, are you, if, if you're not going to be involved in this, you know, let's not waste each other's time. And that, that really clicked for me because I'd already thought about being a coach and I realized, you know, that's, that's so true. 
Like don't waste someone's time doing something that you really don't want to do. Yeah. And so I did kind of become more involved in, in the things that he was telling me and, and having me work on. And, um, I worked really, really hard on, um, you know, the mental side of competing in those four years after college. And I really felt like it all came together. Um, you know, several months after I started working hard on that at this meet, it's, it's actually funny because we live now in Philadelphia where this took place and it was at the Penn relays. And my husband now is a football coach at Penn and he uh -huh. overlooked Franklin field where this race took place. So it's just so <laughs> cool to me, but um, I ran in the women's 1500 meters at the Penn relays and you know, it was just one of those races where everything that I had been working on physically, everything I had been working on mentally just came, you know, together. And it was about, um, about two months exactly, maybe seven weeks before the Olympic trials. And the field was a good one. It had a lot of the top Americans in it. And I just, everything, you know, I'd been working on, I just executed flawlessly. And I was so focused in that race. It's a very old stadium. It seats, I think, I don't know, 60,000 people. And it was probably at, you know, 70 to 80% capacity. So it was very loud. The announcer's very loud. And I didn't hear anything in that 1500 meters, which is, you know, just a little less than four laps around the track. And we were about 200 meters to go. And I heard the announcer, it was a big pack of people, probably eight women together. And I heard the announcer say, and they started their kick. And it kind of like woke me up because I was like, no, I, I haven't. I haven't started mine yet. <laughs> and I, I just had so much energy left. And I, I won the race by a significant margin. And, oh, my goodness. Um, it was really cool because I walked back in the stands to my coaches and where, you know, where all my, I, my stuff was, my sweats and everything. And this guy comes running out of the stands and running up to me. And I recognized him as a really high official in USA track and field. And right then and there in that stadium, he invited me to a race that was going to, um, that was, that was the year that the Olympics and the Olympic trials were going to be held in America, in Atlanta. Okay. And he invited me into this really, really prestigious race that was going to serve as a huge ceremony and a kickoff thing for the Olympics that year. And so it was going to be the first time that anybody had access to the Olympic stadium and they were going to have this big track meet with athletes from all over the world. And I knew it was happening, but I was like, Oh, I don't belong in that race. Like there's no way. <laughs> and he invited me to that race. And, um, that was, you know, a really big breakthrough physically. Yes. Because I ran a pretty fast time, but mentally it was like, you know what, if you do work really, really hard, on every aspect of your running, things yep. like this can happen, even to somebody who is, you know, pretty, you know, that it wasn't really supposed to happen for. There was nothing, there was nothing in my college career that said this was going to happen. And yeah. it was something that I recognized in myself only. And I, I did the work and it, it happened. I love that. I love, I love that last line, like something you realized in yourself and you, you kept pushing and made it happen no that's awesome and you said that so in this race like you were with the pack with 200 to go and then you won it by a good margin huh so yep, yep. pretty good kick <laughs> yeah I, I did have a pretty fast finish and we worked really hard on that um and yeah it was it, 
well, I guess, you know, what's funny is I, I dropped the mental baggage and allowed myself to learn how to kick, if that makes sense. Oh, that's awesome. What, and you were talking about that before. And I think like, this is something, I mean, I talked to you about like this season a little bit, like in the sense of my, well, I, t- I think I told you when I first started, I was like, okay, I gotta get it out of my own mind. Right. And yep. I definitely like, once I got the track season again, started like getting in my own head and I was like, what the heck? Like, I thought this, I was done with this after college. So that was, you know, anyways, that's. Well, it's funny that you say that because, you know, the, that was kind of, you know, everything came together and it was kind of this storybook um, season for me um, in a lot of ways. Um, But then after that, it was kind of like, I I don't think I consciously thought this, but I, I was like, oh, well, my mental stuff is fixed now. So I can just go about my life and not have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. And that, if you think about it, that's like saying, oh, I ran a PR. I guess I don't have to do long runs anymore. Yes. You know, totally <laughs> and it just sense. doesn't work that way. It's something that we always, always have to work on. And, you know, it, I think, you know, it, it stems from even, even how our society views, you know, um, any kind of mental, you know, when you, when you talk anything about psychology or mental anything, yep. it's got this huge negative connotation still, yep. which is crazy to me. Um, so it's just, it's, it's almost seemed as like, you know, perceived by people like, oh, I don't, I don't want to have a mental problem. Like, you know, and yeah. reality, like we all do, like, yeah. it's always something that we can always get better at, you know, yep. our confidence and the way we talk to, we talk to ourselves. And um, I just really believe in that. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like another part of the training, right? So you could, yep. you got your and a really crucial part of it. And you have your mental training, like what, what kind of things that you worked on that really helped you, I guess. Um, and I, I mean, it's okay if that's too much to go into, but like, oh, no, no. With um, I think probably, and, and it, when you talk about it, I'm really making it sound so simple, but when I think back and, and I talk to people about, you know, trying to, um, you know, control your mind and control the way you talk to yourself and your inner narrative. Um, that, that is something that's really hard. And I, I've never been a, a cigarette smoker, but I, I bet you it's the same as trying to quit smoking because we have these, you know, inner dialogues with ourselves all the time. And if they're constantly negative or full of doubt, then that's a habit. You know, and it it becomes like this security blanket. So when the races don't go well, it's almost like, well, we have the safety net. See, I told you, I knew it wasn't going to go well. I knew I was going to screw up here or I knew my, I wasn't going to have a good kick or whatever, you know, and to change that, you know, after years and years and years of telling yourself these things is really, really hard. But I think those are the two things that I worked on the most is the way I talk to myself and the inner dialogue I had with myself in terms, you know, when it came to running and training and racing and then also shifting my focus to everything I could control, Yeah, you know? So now I have athletes that get upset with me because I'll, I'll ask them, you know, what's your goal for this season or this race? And, you know, especially on the high school level and even college, it's like, Oh, I want to finish top three. Well, you know, that's not in your control. If you really think about it, it's not in your control because let's say you're a high school junior and you know, what if a new girl moves into your district who, or your team or whatever, um, who is a superstar and you can't control that, you know, now 
you can control like doing a lot of research and getting familiar with your competitors and knowing about what they're capable of. And maybe you could talk about place, but what you should really be focusing on is, Hey, for this race, I'm going to warm up really well. I'm going to have a really good race plan and I'm going to focus on doing everything I can to focus on that race plan. And if I do that, I should place fairly high instead of saying, you know, I want top three you got to really break it down into something you can control because then that feels better on the starting line. You yeah. don't have to get top three. You, all you have to do is what you're capable of doing and you learn what you're capable of doing based on your training. Yeah. You know, so you're not there on the starting line. I hope it goes well. I hope <laughs> I run fast. It, it, you bring it back to yourself. I think yeah. I can run 75 seconds per lap because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, I did this workout two weeks ago. I haven't missed a long run. I do all my stretching. I, I eat really well. And yeah. it just makes it so much more in your control instead of this big, like, you know, hopeful moment. It's like, no, I can control this. I can do this. Yeah. No, I love that. And you always like, that's one thing you've always said to me before races, control what you can control. I'm like, okay, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, and, you know, I always tell like, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people um, listening, um, and if they, if you didn't, it, I, I advise you to to do this because it's awesome. But you know, during the quarantine, um, when they had the Last Dance by Michael Jordan on ESPN, oh, I haven't watched it yet. No. Oh, I'm- you have to watch it. It's even if you're not a basketball fan, if you're just kind of oh, any fan of like succeeding in life, he is, you know, obviously, um, you know, on a huge scale. Like he he's kind of mastered that and. You know, one of the things they said in the final episode, or, or sorry, Michael Jordan said was, um, he was he was at a practice, I think the day before game seven um, of the um, NBA finals. And all the media is there and it's really laid back and they're just kind of messing around. And one of his teammates was warming up and just kept nailing three point shots, three point shot after three point shot. And then Jordan kind of slowly takes his sweat up, sweats off and, you know, the paparazzi's there, the, you know, the small amount of media that's invited to those practices. And one of them was like, Hey, you worried about this shot now after, after watching that? And he just froze and turned around and looked at the guy and said, why would I ever worry about a shot I haven't taken yet? (laughs) And that just resonated with me as a coach, because it's kind of like you and some of your indoor races, like, why are you worried about the outcome when you haven't even warmed up yet? Yep. Let's yep. have a really good warm up first. Yeah. Yeah. And then let's have a really good first lap before we're worried about the fourth lap. Right. You know, and I just love his ability to stay in the moment. And he was constantly in the moment and never projecting. Yeah. yeah. And isn't that what's awesome is like how much it relates to life too. Like how absolutely much you're saying it's like can just relate to, to life. I just love that. Like, yeah, stay in the moment. Like, don't worry about <laughs> worry about the next day. Like you need to focus today and like, I mean, that's, I mean, one of the biggest things I, I, I struggle with even in my normal life. So no wonder it tra- transfers over into running, you know? Um, yeah. And, and just to see the very, well, arguably one of the very best athletes that's ever been on the earth to just, just think it's just so weird to worry about something that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. And, you know, just, and he made it seem so simple, you know, when all of us are like, oh my gosh, the Olympic trials are coming and I have to do this and I have to do that. When you know, just do what you can control today and let's not worry about something, you know, that's so far off in the future. 
Yeah, I love that. And that's, I mean, that's why he's the best. He thinks differently than everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, um, I think, yeah, I mean, the mindset part of anything is the big, I, I think it's the biggest part of anything in life. Like my business, like, I mean, it's the biggest, like part of my, my business took off once I could finally believe in myself. Like, you know, same thing will be true for running. Same thing is true in just like everything in life. I it's very true. Yep. It's, yeah. Mindset is yeah crazy. So what I was also going to ask you and have you, um, well, I guess first off, have you coached both girls and guys? And the second that you feel like it's a big difference with, you know, female athletes, you know, approach racing or like, you know, mindset confidence level is a lot different. And is that related to society, you know, or where, like, what are your thoughts on all that? Um, yes, I have, um, had a lot of experience with both genders, you know, from beginner runners all the way up to, you know, the highest level in the world. And actually this may surprise you, but I don't think there's a big difference. I okay. think that one thing that is, you know, this is a generalization, but yeah, you know, I think women feel safer um, you know, showing outwardly their nerves and their fears and their anxiety, and, and they're not as afraid to vocalize it. Yeah. Whereas men, you know, once, once I established a good trusting coaching relationship with these guys, um, you know, they will start verbalizing okay. that, you know, they're very scared and the fear of failure and all of those things. So I, I don't see a huge difference. I see the difference comes where, you know, how they communicate that anxiety, um, you know, versus, okay. you know, male versus female. And that, that's a generalization, but I would say that's pretty much how I feel about it. Okay. Um, I, I think, you know, if you're talking about an athlete who really wants to chase their potential and see how good they can be, I really don't see a ton of differences and I love coaching both. Okay. Okay. It's just a different expression, which makes sense. Yeah. Like, and again, in general, yes, that's, yeah, that's general, pretty much what I see. Generalization, which is, you know, yeah, <laughs> no, I love that. That's awesome. And so you, um, so you coached at the Air Force Academy. Um, did you coach elsewhere too, at collegiately or? I did. Yeah. I've, I've coached several places. Oh, okay. Um, I coached a little bit while I was still training um, at my alma mater and I went to James Madison University in Virginia. Okay. Um, and then kind of after my career, well, as my career, I guess, as a runner was winding down, um, I started coaching at Georgetown University. Okay. And I coached there for about six years. Um, and then for a few years, I coached um, at a school also right outside of Washington, D.C. called George Mason University. And that was really a rewarding experience because that program literally started from scratch, you know, the, and I coached only on the men's side. Okay. And that was, that was kind of going from Georgetown that was very established and had a very strong running distance and middle distance tradition to a school that was starting from scratch was really great for my coaching and developmentally and all of that. And then, yes, I went to the Air Force Academy for five years, which was very different, but I loved it. It was very cool. Um, and then um, kind of, you know, made a family decision to put you know, the emphasis um, more on my husband's coaching career because he okay. had been just amazing and, and supportive of me as I tried to coach both um, college and professional athletes and made a lot of sacrifices for me. So I really wanted to do that for him. And so gotcha. we came to the University of Pennsylvania where I coached for one year, but, you know, we just decided to 
to not have two NCAA coaches in the family because the travel is a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are the places I've coached. Yeah. Okay. Uh, awesome. That, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that you've coached multiple places. I guess I just knew about uh, Air Force Academy because um, one of my good friends was at Air Force Academy, Sarah, that, so Julie, um, she was a thrower, but while Julie was there. So I thought, I didn't know if that was just the only place you would have been or whatnot. Um, well, Sarah would be also a wonderful guest on this podcast to talk about yeah. mentality because she definitely has a championship mentality. She's yeah. so, so gifted physically, but she worked so hard, um, you know, and just her mentality was just incredible. So I, I was lucky to be able to have a front row seat to watch her. Well, that's awesome. That's good to, to, to hear. And like, I got to know her right after she was, you know, done, I guess, you know, I going after her athletic goals, I guess, you know, she went out to California for a bit too. And yep. Yep. Uh, so it would be cool to ask her about that. Like we talk about it, but you know, so, so Sarah's a, a good friend of mine. I was in her wedding, all that, but, um, I guess, yeah, I, we, I would probably learn more about her just by bringing her on. That's a good thought. I actually, Sarah, if you listen to this, I never have thought about bringing you on, but that would be great. I should, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, she, she, you know, she personifies everything we were just talking about. Um, whether she did that actively or not, I don't know, but yeah, her, her mentality was really incredible. And I just felt like she was always so even keel and balanced yeah. um, in her mentality and her approach. Um, you know, and even though it wasn't distance running, um, it was a completely different kind of skill set. Um, you know, you could still learn a lot as a distance runner from just her approach. Yeah. I feel like you could learn from any athlete. There's been a couple other athletes I've thought about bringing on just because it doesn't have to be yeah, distance running. Right. It all relates, right. We can all learn from, yeah. from anyone who's trying to master something. Yeah. No, I love that. What, what was I going to say? So when, when did you know you wanted to be a coach? Like, when did you, was it back when you were running in college professionally? Like, when did that come into play? Um, really early, I would say, um, probably late in my college career. I was just so fascinated by the whole, you know, the, the training and the methodology and the method to the madness and learning why you're doing certain things and, um, studied, you know, some exercise physiology in my master's program and just, just loved it and loved combining the science with the art of coaching. And, yeah. you know, I think because I did, um, take, kind of a less traditional path than some other runners. Um, and, you know, I feel like I was just more of a, a developer instead of like this uber talent. Um, I, I feel like that was setting me up to coach my own development um, as an athlete. And, you know, I really think I just want, I just get a lot of, you know, satisfaction and I feel really rewarded being able to partner with an athlete at no matter what level and helping them get where they want to go. And yeah. I think I've had some success with that because I made a lot of mistakes as an athlete, um, mentally, physically. And, you know, I want, I, I continue to want to learn from that. Um, I've made some mistakes in my coaching and I want to learn from that and I want to get better. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like what I used to tell recruits when I was coaching on the college level, they would say, well, what, what do you think my event is? And I really don't care what your event is. I just want you to want to see how good you can be. And we'll figure that out, you know, yeah. as it goes. And that's kind of how I feel about coaching is, you know, I, I don't care where the athletes end up performance wise. I just want them to, to do everything they can 
you know, in their control to, to try to get better and better and better and better and just have a really rewarding career. And yeah, it's just something that I always have loved to do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So you kind of knew early on and then, I mean, obviously it was a natural fit and in, in, in going, going on into coaching. What, um, what do you think has been like the keys to being a good coach? Like what, yeah, what does it take? I mean, that's a very broad answer, but like to really, you know, be a good coach, get your athletes where they want to go. And, um, yeah, what have you learned through your coaching experience? Well, I think it requires, you know, it, it, it actually, that's a, we could get pretty deep in the woods here philosophically on that answer, but you know, in our country, I would say, um, you know, now this is this is a kind of a crazy statement, but I don't think that coaching is very valued. And we're talking about running here because anybody can be a coach in this country. The math teacher, the science teacher can be a coach. Now, some places you're really, really lucky. And those people have a passion for the sport, a passion for coaching. They know the sport and they're they're awesome at what they do. But sometimes, you know, you have you know, the local science teacher who wants to make a little bit of extra money, doesn't really know much about it. And, you know, is just kind of, you know, doing it for the sake of doing it is not that interested in the outcome or the developmental of, you know, developing young student athletes. Um, And so, you know, I, I think if you're truly doing it for the right reasons, I think it requires a lot of work, a lot of work you know, learning yeah. um, about the fundamentals of the, of the sport, learning the physiology of the sport, learning, you know, about sports psychology. There's just so many places that you can get better and better. And I think most importantly is learning your, each of your individual athletes. What yeah. motivates them? What are their physical tools? What are their limitations? What is their injury risk? And really making sure that you don't lose sight of, you know, the individual and, and what do they need? And, you know, I, I learned over time that, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there. You, you could go on the internet right now and find, you know, any coach that will just send you this ready-made plan, like here's right. your half marathon plan follow this. And sometimes I'm like, wow, that would be so nice because with the athletes I work with, you know, again, all the way from you know, six and seven hour marathoners all the way to, you know, women that are trying to break, you know, 228 for the marathon. Um, You know, every single one of the athletes gets different plans because they're all different people with different skills and different, you know, tools. So why would I give everybody the same training? (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I, I just think it requires an extraordinary amount of work if you want to you know, be of a huge service to your clients and to your athletes. Yeah, no, for sure. There's a lot of good points in there. I feel like that you made, I mean, for one, the whole like cookie cutter plan. Like, I feel like when people are like, Oh, can you just like send me a plan? I'm like, no, I can't. Like that just doesn't work. And like, I've even thought about like, Oh, would I have that option? But I'm like, it's not even no, because like you can go find that on the internet if you want, like just go find a half marathon plan, I guess. But there's a big difference between having a plan and having a coach. Like it's a yeah, big difference. <laughs> And, and definitely like an under, I mean, I think once they will see the value in having a coach, but like, just, you know, like putting it out there, like general people are gonna be like, oh, you're paying for a coach. Like, wait, what? Like, but like coaching is like, when have you not had a coach in any part of your life? Like, I mean, 
like you had a coach, like I had a coach through college, you know, um, on athletics, but like business side of things, I have a coach. Like if you want to get better at anything, you have a coach. Like, I don't know. You usually don't just do it on your own. So. <laughs> yeah. And when I'm working with people, I, I tell them like, I want to partner with you. Yeah. I'm not interested in being a dictator or, you know, having power over you. That's, that's not my motivation. I want to work with you. And I feel like, you know, a lot of that, it, it puts ownership on the athletes and, you know, they're, they're going to get value from a coach by communicating. And the more information I know about my clients, you know, and people that I work with, the better coach I'm going to be. So yep. I really do believe that it has to be a partnership. Yeah. No, I, I remember you telling me that too. And I, I like that. Like, I was like, oh, that, no, I like that, that it's not like, oh, I'm just telling you what to do and that's it. Like, no, you give feedback and we figure this out together kind of a deal. <laughs> yep. No. Awesome. What, um, what was I going to say? Well, let's go into like, what, like of the people that you've coached, what makes the difference between like the athletes that reach their goals or really reach their potential versus the athletes that don't like what, what is, what is that thing, I guess, that they have? You'd say? Um, you know, I think that's a tough question because it's, there's not a, a really clean answer to that, but you know, I, I do think the athletes that are truly trying to see how fast they can run because when that is really the answer to the question like that's really what I want to do yeah it, it becomes less of a sacrifice um, and I put that in air quotes you know to you know though this these decisions are easy to make like going to bed at a reasonable time um, you know maybe you know not being able to go to the beach every weekend with my friends um, when I have a long run right um, you know, making really good life choices that complement how hard you're working physically. Um, that, that's not even a conversation. That's, yes. you know, and I feel like, you know, I do want my athletes to be very mentally balanced in that, that they have a lot of things that they can think about and focus on during the day. But yes. physically, you can't really be balanced if you're trying to pursue greatness as an athlete or your potential as a runner, you know, you, you've got to make decisions that are the best for you and getting recovered and, you know, getting out the door again to run another workout. And, you know, it's, it's not a very balanced right. um, sport physically, you know, because you're pushing yourself physically really hard almost every day. And, yeah. and to recover from that, to sustain that, you've got to, you've got to rest. And it, it's a pretty boring sport when you really talk about, you know, um, you know, what it takes to be good. Um, and so I feel like the athletes that have achieved, you know, really, really high levels and, and really found their potential are those that are, are, that understand that and just really embrace the entire lifestyle of, of chasing your physical limits. Yeah, no, I love that. It's like, it's really kind of like your life, not, I mean, maybe it's the wrong wording, but your life kind of does have, you, like you were saying, you get rid of that balance a little bit. And it does have to revolve around running a little, little bit more. Right. And, and, you know, if, if you take that down to, you know, somebody who wants to run really fast, but isn't, you know, on a professional level, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to be realistic. You know, you've got yeah. a job, you've got a family, right. you've got, you, you may or not, may not have kids, but right. you know, you have to, but you, you still, you know, making, you know, choices to complement your running is still something that's not very difficult to do. And, and I find that the, you know, the runners that I work with that do have big PRs and breakthroughs, you know, they've made choices in their life um, right. 
to, to complement everything and, you know, not really sacrificing, you know, their job or their family. Right, right. No, that makes sense. No, I like that. Um, what was I going to say? Um, so, okay, going back to, um, going back to the coaching aspect of things, and you mentioned that, you know, there's, you know, there's a science and art to coaching. What do you feel like, let's just go like the science side of coaching first. What have been your, I guess, either biggest resources you use for the science or like, um, whether it's resources, how you've learned about, you know, the science of running, like what is the biggest tool you use um, for your coaching? Well, I think at the very, very basic levels of distance running, um, you know, we, we're learning more all the time about what the human limits are, but, but the, the nuts and bolts of the science, you know, the VO2 max, the threshold, the energy system, that stuff isn't really going to change. Right. You know, right. so, so I think it's very important to know that and be very well versed in, you know, the physiology behind running. Um, but what I think um, is, is awesome and what I've been really fortunate to have is I've been really, you know, had an up close and personal seat to some of the best coaches in the world. And, and I take advantage of that. So yeah. I, I'm a little pest at me. It's because I'm always talking to other coaches and trying to learn. You know, I think it's, it's very valuable to take some time every week to read, you know, latest and greatest research and science um, on recovery and, you know, a lot of other tools that we're finding out about the human body. I think it's, I think it's your responsibility as a coach to stay, you know, on top of things like that and, and yeah. you know and, and make sure you know, you know, what is being discovered out there. Um, so I, I feel like it's, it's just having a really good grasp of the basic principles of, you know, distance running. Um, yeah. But then also staying on top of, of, you know, things and breakthrough science um, that we're, that we're constantly, you know, um, learning about distance running and, and more importantly, recovery and, um, you know, what, what the body's capable of. I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, and then also, you know, taking advantage of your time when you're at meets or races and, you know, seeking out other coaches or maybe going to clinics or, you know, and, and hearing from science-based coaches or physiologists or whatever it is, um, listening to podcasts, um, when, when you might see that a, you know, a great exercise physiologist or a great science-based coach is going to speak about, you know, their principles. I think that is, um, you know, something that's fairly easy to do that we can do and that I, I am committed to doing. Yeah. And especially with like technology now, it's like, there's so many resources out there. And you Absolutely. Know, yeah. Which is awesome. <laughs> do you have any like podcast or I guess podcasts or emails lists or I don't know anything like that, that you check into specifically like that you were talking about? Um, no, I kind of run the gamut. I always, you know, look at, um, all sorts of different, um, podcasts when it comes to running and training, nothing I zero in on specifically. Yeah. Okay. I kind of look for more, um, if I see a coach or somebody that I'm, I'm, you know, really intrigued by, I'll listen to that. But I, I, I want to keep it really diverse into, you know, what I'm looking at. And, you know, honestly, like I listen to a lot of sprint coaches, Okay. Um, and I like that. you know, just because they have, um, some really good insight to technique and form and strength and injury prevention. Um, so I don't just stay, you know, in my wheelhouse. I find um, the art of coaching sprinters really fascinating. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And especially with, you know, coaching the mid distances, you know, that's going to help. Um, but, but even all the way up to marathoners, you can ask. pick things that can really help. And even it wouldn't seem like, you know, somebody that specifically deals with an athlete that runs 10 seconds, how can that help you coach somebody yeah. who's trying to break three hours? But you can always get little tidbits here and there that can help you in any aspect of coaching. Awesome. That was what I was going to ask. I was like, I said that. I was like, oh, I wonder, like, do you feel like it can help with the marathon runner too? But okay. absolutely. Yeah, for but, sure. I love it. Have you found that the coaching community in general is pretty open to, um, you know, like if you have questions and, you know, is collaborative and instead of like, oh, this is my way and I don't want to share it or. <laughs> uh yeah. Um, some, coaches are, <laughs> some coaches are pretty secretive, I would okay. say, and, okay. and which, you know, rightfully so, I guess, if they're having, you know, a lot of success and they've got a group of athletes, you know, maybe sharing could be a little seem threatening or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd say in general, but there's definitely certain coaches that are pretty guarded and that's certainly their prerogative. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think you get a mix of, you know, the two. Yeah. Yeah. Just depends on, depends on the person. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I like it. No, that's helpful. I get um, some people that are coaches to listening to the podcast. So I figured I'd ask on the, the coaching side as well as the athlete side. So, but um, here's the thing. If you're curious um, to talk to another coach, it doesn't ever hurt to just send an email and say, Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I do that all the time. No, I love that. Worst they can say is no, or don't respond, I guess. <laughs> yep. So like anything in life. So, Hey, might as well, might as well ask. <laughs> yep. No, I love that. Um, what am I going to say? Probably try to wrap this up. I was trying to think of what I, I wanted to ask you about. Um, oh, I know I was going to ask what, you know, your, it's echoing. Um, as an athlete being, you know, 1500, what is like one of the keys to success with, you know, being a 1500 meter, um, runner or like running a good race, like where, you know, what, break it down for me. What, what do you feel like is the running a good 1500 meter race? Well, I think it, it goes back to, you know, not, not getting too far ahead, you know, not waking up the morning of a race and being so worried about the time or the place or the outcome and waking yeah. up in the morning and saying, okay, what do I need to do first? You know, and a lot of times I'll have athletes, the night before kind of make up an itinerary of what their day is going to look like on race day so that they've got that and they can focus on one thing at a time. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like we, we were mentioning early, I think you've got to have a good breakfast before you can have a good race and you've got to have, you know, a good warm up before the gun goes off and, you know, all of those things. So kind of going back to that idea of controlling what you can control. And then I think, Within the race, you know, I think it's really important to go to the starting line. Um, you know, we talk about our race plan, and but you've got to have plan A, plan B, plan C, because, yeah. you know, races are oftentimes incredibly unpredictable. And you've got to be mentally, you know, able to handle all of that. And, you know, you've, you've got to, like I said, have your plan A, plan B, plan C. And, you know, we think like, you know, let's go to your podcast name, Breaking Five. Well, yep. wouldn't it just be great if everybody went out in 75 and ran another 75 and ran another, you know, it, it never goes that way. Right. Um, you know, so e even in the races in Europe, if you have, you know, everyone knows there's going to be a pacemaker and she's going to do this. Well, sometimes that goes 
you know, beautifully. And sometimes that works, but some, you know, the pacemakers aren't robots. They, they can mess things up. So you've got to have room for flexibility in your plan. Yeah. And then I think, you know, staying in the moment. Um, and I always say for the 1500, I like to break it up into three 500 meter segments. And so I think the first 500 meters, you're just trying to, you know, run that as relaxed and even and as calmly as possible. And you kind of have a range in your mind of, you know, maybe a pace or an effort that, you know, I always kind of say we're no faster than. So if you're trying to break five minutes and you feel confident that you have the fitness to break five minutes, you probably don't want to be any faster than 73 for that first 400. Right. Um, so you kind of know what that effort feels like and you stay as calm as you can that first 500. And then the next 500, I always say, okay, let's start scanning the crowd and let's start saying, okay, I think I can beat her. I'm going to beat her. I can't wait to start really racing and beat her. And, and you're kind of thinking more about position and maybe I'm going to get on the outside of lane one here, but all of that is still done really calmly and really smoothly. And, um, and then with the last 500, you know, you've got that home stretch plus the final lap. And I think that's when you just kind of build and build and build both physical and mental intensity. Yeah. You know, we talk about saying, staying calm the first three quarters of the race. And it's not like you want to panic or be, you know, crazy the last 500, but you're right. really excited, you yeah. know, and you're going to have the most adrenaline you've had and, and you're going to be really more intense about racing and competing. And like I said, building and building and building and, and just uh, really seeing what a great tactician you can be the last 500 and then making sure that's where you're really expending your most energy and, and really uh, competing as hard as you possibly can. Yeah. That's where you're allowed to look, get, get a little aggressive and let it go, yep. get excited, but stay calm at the beginning. And then, no, oh, I like it. Yeah. So I think you're always just kind of building. Yeah. I like it. No. Awesome. Um, super helpful. What was I going to say? Um, well, let's go into this. So you, would you say that the race that you shared in, uh, at Penn, Penn State, was it right? Um, University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, the Penn Relays. Penn Relays, it was. was. Would you say that's kind of like your, one of like your favorite races per se, like memory wise or like biggest breakthrough race that, that you've had? Well, only because I think that's where it kind of all clicked for me mentally. Okay, you know, yeah. physically, I think, you know, I, I could have done that all along, you know, yeah. so it wasn't like it was this big physical breakthrough, you know, it was very in par with what my training said. And, yeah. you know, it was pretty, it made sense that I could run that fast at that time. But mentally, it was like, oh, wait, I do belong, you know, I, 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 I am good enough to be here. And it just kind of all clicked that all the positive talk I had been doing and all that battle at getting rid of the negative thoughts and really honestly controlling everything I could control in that race and how it just all came together. So that's why I kind of always go back to that race because after yeah. that, I really did start competing on a way higher level. Okay. And I think it's because my mind allowed me to do that. Okay. I love it. So coming back to the mind, it's all about the mind. <laughs> yep. I, I like it. Well, and you, and you competed at the Olympics one year, right? I did. Yeah. That same year, actually. So that race, you know, segued into that, you know, big invitational where they opened up the Olympic stadium. And then a few weeks after that was the Olympic trials where you, you know, actually tried out for the Olympics and I finished second there to make the Olympic team. And then, and then it was the Olympics. 
Awesome. Was it, was it a lot different? Like was, you know, racing at the Olympics, you know, a lot different than any other race really, or, or not really? Well, you know, this is where the kind of the sad part of the story comes in because um, at our Olympic trials, when I did finish second to make the team, I okay. tore a muscle in my foot. Oh no. Um, so it wasn't the, the fairy tale ending okay. at the Olympic games. Gotcha. But what I can tell you is, you know, having raced all over the world at, at big meets and, and having coached at some really big meets, um, you know, there, there's literally nothing like it. Okay. It, it is all the hype and more, and the stage is huge and it's the whole world. And it's, it's, uh, I can't even, I cannot explain it. Yeah. You just have to be there. <laughs> just yeah. From the opening ceremonies to living in the Olympic village, you know, I mean, yeah. you go to breakfast and you see all of the superstars that you've ever heard of, you know, it would be like, it would be like now going to breakfast and you're standing in line to get your cereal and there's Michael Phelps, Yeah, you know, and there, you know, it's like, and it's just, that's just the, the little village you're in. It's just yeah. all of these athletes who are the same single minded focused as you yeah. all crammed together from all over the world. <laughs> yeah. Just all in one place. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So you didn't get to really like compete at your fullest level then because oh, there's no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> And yeah, um, but so that was really crushing, you know, because I really do think it would have gone really well. I, I, you know, I'm not just saying that. I think it, I had yeah, everything you knew where you prepared were and I was going to do well, but I just couldn't train in between the trials and the games. And you, you can't essentially cross train for three or four weeks and expect to go, you know, compete with the best in the world. Right. It just doesn't happen. Um, so yeah, you got to pretty much be firing all all cylinders. So I did run. It was incredible. Just that being in that me. stadium was awesome. Um, but I just wasn't able to run very fast. Yeah, but you got the experience. So that's cool. I just had to ask. I was like, of course. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to think anything else from like your your running career that we didn't hit on that would be you know cool for our listeners to hear running or coaching you know background. No, I just think like. I think I am a case in point of if you love it and you're getting better at it and you get that thrill from it and you really are still, still passionate about seeing how good you could be, you know, don't let anyone tell you to stop. You know, there was nothing, no one really told me to stop after college. Um, I think my dad was kind of like, wait, you're, you're what? Like you're going to keep running and you're not going to get a normal job okay um I think he was a little like he he wasn't it wasn't that he wasn't supportive I just think he was like flabbergasted like wait I thought this was going to be over um but no matter what level you're at I think it's okay to keep chasing your dreams as long as you're really passionate about seeing how good you can be and that's why I love working with you know um clients of literally any level because oftentimes they're just really trying to test their limits and yeah. I think I have a good story about, you know, doing it kind of for the right reasons and the right motivation and having it work out. Yeah, no, I like that. And I think like, even for me trying to get back into running, I was like, it's a little bit of a allowing myself to want to like run again, I guess, at more of a competitive level. I remember even when reaching out to you, I'm like, should I be focusing on this right now? Like, which is stupid. Like the whole should's like, you can do whatever you want, like, do you know, like, in life in general, but, like, just the whole thought of. Well, I think it's, it's scary, anything you want to do that, that involves risk, and that involves potential disappointment, it, it's yeah. always really scary to verbalize, this is what I really want to do. Yeah. 
that's always a, a scary thing to do it. But I think once you do it and, and you, you focus on, you know, the work, um, you know, it can be just the most rewarding thing ever. And it, it's only going to, you know, boost your, your confidence and, and you're going to be a happy person doing something that you really are passionate about. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is like, I don't want to get somewhere in my, like be older in my life and be like, oh man, I wish I would have done that. And I can't now. And why didn't I just go for it? I don't really, why did I care so much what other people thought or following the norm or whatever, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I always, I always tell people, I don't like the word, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't really like that. Like, I think, uh, I think you should do what makes you happy. Yeah. No, I like that. That's what I'm all about. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, just even doing this, this interview has made me think a lot like about, you know, my goals and, and everything with running and everything and how much of a, I don't know, I guess a roller coaster journey it's been. And, um, you know, I, I thank you for, for, for being there, even though I feel like I haven't been like, oh, man, I feel like I'm not like my goals have changed since working with you to a degree in the sense of, I, I still want to figure out the, the um, best I can be in running, but I've definitely taken some steps back. I think in like, just with a lot going on in life and it, I don't know, it just made me think a lot about like, what do you really want in life and all aspects of your life? Like, you know, is it, is it running? Is it business? Is it, you know, I don't know, just can be, yeah, can be a lot, but <laughs> Well, yeah, but it, it can also be both. You know, you can yeah. you can do things simultaneously if you just, you know, you you are going to have to be strategic about your choices, but yeah, you, you can't do both. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it's yeah, it's a yeah. It's got to figure out where where priorities are and where um what you really want in life and yeah, just like the overall theme of just going after whatever you do want and not being not being scared to not being scared to share it like not being scared to put it out there and I think even me naming like the podcast after breaking five I'm like like you know and I've even shared I feel like I'm and I've shared my podcast I'm not even mentally at a point where I think you know I could do that and I'm just being honest and like I share that with my listener obviously I'm not gonna do it if I don't think I can and if I'm not gonna get to place of like you know putting in the work for it um but but as long as I stay honest with yourself I think like in general, where you're at athletically, goals-wise, all that. Um, yeah, anyways. But. Well, and I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like, it's uh, it's fun to have a coach help you weed through all of that and be a good sounding board, um, you know, and, and helping you get to the point um, where you're like, okay, what's realistic given this is my yeah. life, this right. is my work, you know, right. what, what do you think is realistic? So I think coaching can help in that a lot. Yep, yep. No, definitely. And being like, Hey, what am I, what am I capable of? Where can I get? And for me too, it's like, okay, like the ultimate goal, I guess, coming back to what you said is just to figure out what is, what are your limits? Like figure out, like that's every athlete's dream. It's just to figure out their limits, what, whether it's the goal or not, it's just, what am I capable of? I think. Right. Yeah. And you know, it, it's funny. Like I, I could tell you dozens of stories of, you know, there's, there was somebody, um, the year I made the Olympic team that made the Olympic marathon team that was in med school. You're like, you know, so, so you, it, you can do it. You can have it all. If you're strategic about your choices, there's no doubt in my mind. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I like that. No, that makes sense. I think, um, 
whether we need to have this conversation on the podcast, I don't know. You got to go. I'm going to let you go in just a second or not. Like, I feel like personally right now, and I try to be open to things in general. So maybe that's why I want to share. Like personally right now, I feel like on my whole journey of like what I can do and like the, the shorter distances, like, I just want to know what my limit is, you know, at this age, I probably only have a couple of years left of being like doing shorter stuff. Um, whether that is really even getting down in the fives or not, like, you know, it's just figuring out what, what the limits are. Um, but, um, but yeah, there's that mental block still, I think big part, like we've talked about a little bit, um, partially of allowing myself partially of actually not having so much going on in my life that I'm actually putting in the work I need to put in and then also just the confidence level in general. So, yep. But it's funny, and this will be my last statement. You know, (laughs) if if you have the confidence and the right dialogue in your head, you can do it all. You can do it all. Okay, we're we're gonna put that as one of your main quotes. I like it. Okay, all right, Julie Benson, you can do it all. All right, (laughs) all right. Um, I know we got to wrap this up. Um, You did share. I do ask my listeners at the very end usually. I'll just ask them what is what was your breaking five moment, which is basically something you didn't think you could achieve and you achieved. I mean, you shared your your experience with that mental breakthrough. Is there either a any other experience you want to share, or is there an athlete that you coached that was like they didn't think they would ever get to this level and they got to it? Um, yeah, there. You know, coaching at the Air Force Academy was really cool because you don't necessarily recruit the top athletes you have to recruit the top you know student athletes that are willing to really you know be excellent in three areas which is you know academics militarily and and athletically and so you know I I was able to coach some you know athletes that were pretty good in high school but just kind of probably you know statistically average um, that went on to be you know runner-up in the NCAA you know, two times, you know, this is a, a kid that ran high school in um, California. And, you know, there's a ton of high school athletes there and uh, track and field is huge and very deep and yeah, um, at a very high level. And he was just kind of middle of the pack type guy. And, you know, was never supposed to even be at NCAAs and runner up and was like <laughs> less than two tenths of a second from winning. That's so awesome. that was probably a, a breaking five moment is coaching athletes like that who yeah. are supposed to, supposed to. Yeah. Um, you know, be awesome. And they, they believed and they put the work in and they, they became awesome. Yeah. No, I love it. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you would have so many stories. It would be fun to just, you know, I don't know, sit around a campfire and ask you about all your coaching stories. That would be, yeah, you're a wealth of knowledge. And I really appreciate all you've shared on this podcast. And I'm sure it doesn't even touch the surface level of what, what, what you know and what you've experienced and everything. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. Um, well, I feel honored to be invited. Yeah. And that we got to chat. Cause I'm like, we, we've never, you know, I, I hope to meet you in person someday, but we've never chatted outside of the phone call. So that's been awesome too. So, um, for our listeners, where can they find you at? Um, anyone that's listening, where's the best place for them to follow you at, find you at, whether that's a website, online email. Yeah, I do have a website, um, and I love working um, with new runners and and runners trying to see how good they can be. And that's um, I'll spell it. It's well, it's JulieBensonTraining.com, um, and it's J U L I 
There's no E in Julie. So J-U-L-I-B-E-N-S-O-N training.com. Awesome. Perfect. And I put that in the show notes too. Um, and, and your name will be on it. So they'll be able to spell it and everything too. So perfect. Awesome. Anything else? Any other parting words before we go? No, I just think, you know, keep, uh, keep chasing your dreams, everyone. Yes. I love it. Awesome. Well, Julie Benson, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll get this episode out soon and until then take care everyone. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Breaking Five, a running podcast. We hope you are running away with some inspiration, tips, and actionable items that you can put towards your Breaking Five moment. Lastly, if you know anyone else with a Breaking Five moment, that doesn't have to actually mean literally Breaking Five, just a Breaking Five moment in general, in running, in life, or anyone else who has great knowledge and background in helping others reach their Breaking Five moment, I would love for you to put me in contact with them. We would love to have them on the show. So if you could and let them know, if you know of someone else, tell them to reach out to me at my Instagram, and that is at Kristen underscore run your life. Again, that's at Kristen underscore run your life. And could you do me a favor? And if you enjoyed today's episode and can think of anyone else who could benefit from listening to it, could you go ahead and share this out on your social media or share this directly with them? That would mean the world to me, seriously. And make sure if you have not already, to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so that you get our weekly updates as we drop the next episodes. Thank you, everyone. We seriously appreciate you tuning in today. We'll see you next time. And until then, go run your life.